Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we're dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation offering you a conservatarian perspective. We have on the line with us Sandy Shaner. Uh, Sandy, welcome. Well, good morning, Kim. Uh, it, it, <laughs> thanks for having me on. It's great to have you here. And Sandy, you uh, we're going to talk about education and you know a lot about that. You're a former teacher, and you were on the school board uh, currently, or you're just a former school board member, right? Yes, I just completed eight years serving on the school board as of December. Okay, so you have a, you've had a front row seat on what is going on with our kids. Uh, so what yes. do you see in education today? Well, it you know, education has always been... Uh, very important in our country. Uh, our, our population, our people view it as highly valued, so it's always a topic of discussion. Um, there is so much uh, going on in education right now. Technology, of course, is, is, a, is a new world, and our kids, it is their world. It wasn't ours, but it is their world, and it will continue. And so we need to keep uh, trying to find the right balance between technology and not using technology in education. Well, you know, Sandy, I'm concerned that if the electricity goes out, that mm-hmm. our kids may not be able to to do things. And, uh, in fact, I, uh, I flew back from Wyoming on Saturday and sat next to a teacher uh, who we talked about education and... I, I gathered some frustration from her as an educator. She said that, you know, that we we don't really get to have the creativity uh, that I think used to that teachers used to be able to have. She says we have a textbook, we uh, you know we have computers, and we basically have to to kind of teach within that particular uh, box, if you will. And it's taken away a lot of the creativity that that was so wonderful about the American education system. And I commented that I I see younger people with horrible penmanship. And I think that we're not teaching penmanship. I, I don't think that, you know, kids are learning cursive. I don't think they're learning their multiplication tables. And granted, you have a computer that can do a lot of that now. But if we don't have those tools, if the electricity goes out, how will we communicate with each other? Well, I, that's a that's a very good question and a very good concern. Um, I I'd like people to know that, that listeners to know that I have worked on uh, state standards board uh, accreditation teams. Um, I worked on a reading assessment team for the University of Houston and developed a innovative, gifted, and talented program. And during all those times we really didn't have the technology anywhere close to what we have now. So I do think that with that, with the access to all of the information at your fingertips, it does take away um, a, a need to be creative because you can just hit tap something and it will appear in front of you. Um, but that's where we have to come in with always trying to find the right balance. Um, UCLA had a study recently where they they came out with that students learn better if they hand wrote their notes in a lecture instead of typing them on a computer. 
there's uh, at least there's other schools, but there is a Waldorf school. There was a special on television about it. It's in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and they don't have any technology at all. And their parents are all Silicon Valley uh, tech people, and yet they're using a blackboard and don't allow cell phones or computers in there. Um, we should teach our kids uh, computer science in the sense that they so that they can comprehend, understand just what is all of this, so that they aren't intimidated by it. Um, and But even with that, you can learn computer science, you can learn coding without a computer. There are other ways of doing it with blocks and Legos, with knitting, uh, two stitches, the binary code, zero, one, and it's, you don't need to have kids in front of a screen, and I, I don't think it's a good idea, so, all the time. Well, and I, I don't either. Now, I I probably was asleep at the wheel a bit because as my kids were growing up, you know, technology was just really starting to, to take hold. And, and I thought, you know, this is the future. We need to make sure that, you know, I let the kids, you know, play on, you know, video games and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think that's okay, but... But I, I didn't realize where it would morph to where we are in society now. Uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned I, I flew back on Saturday, and the airport was full of families because it's spring break, and there were kids everywhere. And, you know, everybody's excited. You could see that. I mean, it was so cute. You know, little kids had their little rollies. Little girls had those pink rollies, and it was just so darling. Yes. However, <laughs> so many kids had screens in front of them. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I really am concerned about that as a society in this Waldorf school that you just mentioned I done some research on that as well it is a school as you mentioned in Silicon Valley and many of the top echelon of uh, the um, tech companies out there are sending their kids to this school where they write with pens and pencils or and on paper uh, chalkboards mm-hmm. and um, I, I think that we I think we need to to, to move back to that in public education well, yes, and uh, I think that there's been a lot of movement. Well, when the Common Core movement came out, a lot of this putting the cart before the horse problem is what I think uh, really occurred. The, um, the kids need to build their skills, their foundational skills, before, and they need to do that, you know, age appropriately, first grade, second grade, the way we all did, and if you just take that away and just have them tap a screen, of course that isn't going to be helpful. And you're right, and if the power goes out, will they know what to do? Well, I don't really think we are to that extreme. Um, We are trying to address the needs of every student. And I will say that what separates America from the rest of the world is that we emphasize the needs of every student. Um, Other countries... I, I mean, I can't. I, they don't do that because when they give out their data, um, they are not including every single kid. We include every single kid from the highest achievement ability to the lowest challenge. And uh, a lot of kids in other countries don't even go to school. Um, they are either not allowed to go to school or they're too remote. They can't get to school, so they're not even included in the numbers. So, so when the numbers come out on our country, and some, so you, you've included every ability in there, that's going to change the achievement and the performance level. 
and that scares people and it's 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 wrong the way it's put out really well, that's, um, that, that's a good point. You know, Sandy, let's go to break. When we come back, um, let's talk more about education. Um, you have been doing some substituting. Uh, what are you, you know, let's talk about what you're seeing in the classroom these days. So this is Kim Munson. and we're talking with Sandy Shaner. She is a former school board member, and uh, we're talking about education of our kids. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Uh, we are talking with Sandy Shaner. She is a former teacher. She's been on the school board for eight years, just uh, got off after eight years of service. Thank you, by the way. Uh, that is, I think, I think that's one of the toughest jobs to have is to be on a school board. So thank you, uh, Sandy. Um, but you've been in the, the classroom. You're doing some substitute teaching. What are you seeing in the classroom? Well... Uh, I'm seeing great things, but but what I noticed, uh, I think what I talked to you about, was that the young people are trying to process so much of the messages they're hearing on television that was and, and in the movies and, and on social media and in pop culture. There's a lot of uh, conflicting uh, messages out there. There's a lot of uh, sexualized messages that for kids that are just too immature. Uh, I just think just about for anybody, really, but they're they're trying to process is process it all is what I'm viewing, and uh, and it, it makes me feel sad for them that they have to deal with it, and they will. It's their it's their world, and um, I hope that we can help them manage it. You know, you mentioned something there. Now, here in Colorado, uh, we are having quite a time down at the state legislature. And there is a piece of legislation, it's House Bill 1032, regarding a sex education curriculum uh, for our public schools. And I've read the whole bill, and it's concerning to me because, first of all, we are just seeing such a hypersexualization of our kids. When I was in kindergarten, we were just trying to figure out how to stand in line, learn our ABCs, and, you know, keep our hands to ourselves. I mean, we we just, you know, we were just little kids. And I don't think that that's that different today either. However, uh, we've got a society that is just, um, you know, pushing really, I think, the more hedonistic component of of uh, humankind versus the striving for high ideals, looking for purpose. Uh, And um, what this 1032 is actually doing is it's putting forth a a curriculum where you cannot talk about uh, foundational precepts of Christianity or religion, but yet it's pushing forward the religion of I call it the LGBTQ religion. I'm Sandy. I'm really a live and let live person. I, I mean, what people do is is their business. <laughs> know. You know, I got my own mm-hmm. stuff that I'm working on, so it's not for me. You know, to be over in somebody else's. You know, um, mm-hmm. what they're doing. However, we're way past live and let live now. We are now to a point of pushing forward and agendas on our kids. And I was talking to uh, somebody this last week that. They were talking to a family member, sending their child to a uh, Catholic school, and I think they're in junior high right now, or maybe um, maybe freshmen. And there is a tr- uh, a significant number of kids that think that they are transgender. And I submit to you that that is because this agenda has been being pushed on kids 
instead of, you know, the basics of like, you know, what education used to be reading, writing, arithmetic, learning Western culture, all that kind of stuff. And I'm really concerned about it, Sandy. Well, and, and it is concerning, very concerning, and it's very alarming. Um, I, it just goes so far back. I remember, it just when you were saying this, I remembered watching a psychologist speak on television, and this had to be uh, 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago, and she said that she really wanted to see boys and girls more comfortable with each other discussing sexual topics. And because, as you said, well, you know, when we were growing up, you didn't do it, period. But if there was anything, it was done separately. And uh, I don't, I agree, I agree that it should be separate. I don't think that we should be encouraging uh, young people to talk about these things at such a young age when they really don't know what they're talking about. They can't comprehend it. And it's just too early. It's just too soon. But, you know, they're, they're seeing so much of that kind of activity in the movies and on television. They're just inundated with it. Mm-hmm. They can practically can't, see, can't watch one movie without a scene like that, a graphic scene sometimes. And uh, oh, I, I don't know what to say well, about it. I really don't. Well, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids. And uh, they need to be able to to run and to play, and they need to just be able to be kids instead of this this agenda, which you mentioned is just constant. Um, I'm encouraged, though. I mean, I love to hang around young people. And if they are given the, you know, actually, if they are given options on the ideas instead of just this one curriculum... uh, Mm -hmm. Kids, I think they gravitate towards the truth. So I think that's why we've seen such a pushdown of, uh, of you know, um, no longer teaching Western civilization, no longer teaching American government. World War II, we're hardly seeing anything, in my understanding, is in history books. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I do my World War II project, interviewing all these Which World is War great, II veterans. Which by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and do one on the Cold War and the Cuban Missile Crisis, too, while you're at it. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll get on that. Um, because we, our kids need to understand the history. They need to understand the sacrifices and the greatness of the yes. American idea. And so, Sandy, what can we do about this? Because... Many school boards have been taken over by radical progressive activists instead of community members that are representatives of the community. And I think a lot of people don't even realize that. Well, I know, and you want some solid solutions. You want some some solid suggestions. Well, one thing that we started here in our district when I was on the board, uh, we have, uh, by statute, whenever a district uh, department requests new textbooks, those books have to be put on out for public review for 45 days. Well, in the past, they were only in administrative offices, and so people didn't ever go and look at them. So now we have asked to put them in the county library here, and they were very receptive to it and made us an area for us. So every time textbooks are, are requested, we put a selection of several several different publishers out for review and there are forms there for parents to write comments and that they can use those comments to choose what what the parents would prefer or hope for or whatever they're saying about the book to help them choose the right textbook 
that would be an action you could take. Um, another thing I had mentioned to you about books that are weeded out of libraries, they're, they're always pulling books off of shelves for various reasons. Some of them are good reasons, whether they're tor torn and pages missing, but there are other reasons that are very subjective and that uh, I probably might not agree with on most cases under the crew criteria, C-R-E-W criteria. And when we, I went and looked at almost a thousand books that were weeded in our district and found many, many books that were very, very nice books. Uh, and so what I found out was that in our new charter school, uh, in our, they didn't have a library. And I asked them if they would be interested in these books, and they were very happy about it. And over the summer, their uh, maintenance man is also a carpenter. He built shelves for them, and they created a library. And so by September, they were in business. The kids were checking out books. Um, so let's, let's look at the books. Let's keep them in alive. Let's recycle them. Let's make sure kids are, are still getting access to that information. For example, one reason a book was pulled, say, was because it was about a country that didn't exist anymore, Czechoslovakia. Well, we want kids to know that Czechoslovakia did exist and that why is it now the Czech Republic and Slovakia? They need to know these things. So, so that would be another thing, and maybe parents could, um, could help that, you know, initiate a program like that. Well, and, and we only have a couple of minutes, Sandy, but the other thing is so many things that are being done on uh, iPads and on computers, parents mm -hmm. have no idea what that curriculum is. And uh, I think that parents need to be very vigilant uh, with that kind of stuff as well. Yes, you're absolutely right. Teacher, parents are the first teachers, and they need to be engaged, and they need to be vigilant. You're absolutely right. And raising kids does take a lot of energy, <laughs> <It does. laughs> but you need to be yes. engaged. Parents need to be it's engaged. It's the most important job you have if you are a parent, if you have kids. That is the, your most important job is doing the best for those kids. And uh, as I was doing the promotion for this, uh, I decided to push back. Re remember when Hillary Clinton said that it takes a village to raise a child, I yes. I totally disagree with that. You know, I I, I uh, depends it's, on the village. <laughs> well, it depends on the village. It's whose kids are they? It's not the village's kids. There are children, and uh, so we as a community certainly want to make sure that we are providing a good education for our our children, and um, we need to be very vigilant as parents, as aunts, uncles, grandparents. We need to be really vigilant. So your final thoughts, Sandy Shaner, and we're going to have you back. Well, I'm, I'm thank you so much again. But final thought is uh, try, to, um, try to be engaged, uh, try to be engaged more, uh, take the tunnel vision away, uh, the, there's really just a couple of topics that we constantly hear on the news and subjects, and we need to broaden that. And as far as when we look at our history in our country, I'm concerned about that. I want everyone to realize what it took to have the, the American Revolution. What did that really take? What did the people sacrifice to do that? It's like you said. The amount of sacrifice that's been done for the freedoms that we enjoy and, and that we take for granted here. Uh, there are plenty of Republicans and Democrats 
in Arlington Cemetery that have served in our military, that gave their lives, everyone. And uh, it can't be forgotten. Well, that's for sure. So, Sandy Shaner, thank you so much. Uh, um, We'll continue to have these education talks. Greatly appreciate it.